0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast.
1: You're listening to episode 395 and I'm your
0: co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Nick Schwaderer. Hey, Nick, how are you? I am fantastic, Brittany. It's been a while since we've talked. It's really good to just be on here again and just catch up in general this time of year.
1: I totally agree. And, you know, I've been listening to so many podcasts recently and I've just been inspired by all these podcasts that are coming out with these holiday gift guides And I realized that we really have never done a holiday gift guide on this podcast, so I thought it'd be fun to do that. But before we get to that, on episode 394, Gemma and I went into detail about our RubyConf experiences,
0: but I'd really love to hear how yours was. Oh, my gosh. Well, I will happily talk about it. I won't take up the episode doing it, but I slung my first Ruby. I don't always say this because I want to hide my experience level from people, but I wrote my first line of Ruby in March, 2014. I've been aware of the community from a very early point. That's how I got in was podcast conferences online and stuff. So I've been listening to a fair few Ruby comps and it was such a treat to be able to go. Shout out to my employer actually like helping and supporting me going. Not all employers are like that and actually speak and be on a panel. So it was great. I guess my main theme from that background is in the first 24 hours, I got to like physically meet 70% of people who I'd only known digitally for like seven years, you know, like sitting there and, and having a burrito and looking to my left and there's Aaron Patterson, but my right, there's Rafael Franca. And like, that's the theme, like all of our podcasting friends, we were very close with other podcasters seeing that, So it was a tremendous experience. And just practically, I'd say With the last year, I struggled with some remote versions of conferences for things that just would upload videos because I can't really watch seven of those in a day. But if I'm there in person walking around a hotel or conference center and I'm seeing other people and we're saying, where are you going? Where are you going? I may not make every single talk slot, but I can actually knock out. I probably made it to what, 15, 20 talks somewhere in there in those few days. So for work and just getting charged up about Ruby, it was really good.
1: How was the difference in presenting Ruby Archaeology in
0: person at RubyCon versus doing it remotely on RubyKaiji? Oh, it was miles different. I don't know if it was easier or harder because recording it, if I say something wrong, I have to re-record it. Doing it live, it's just like right now, I know we're recording this, but like we, uh, spoiler folks, we just do this and we record it. You know, you have an editor and everything, but you know what I'm saying. But yeah, so doing it live, the whole standing thing, The like being aware of the code on the screen over my shoulder, seeing people's faces, checking the time down below, wondering if I'm sweaty or not. All that was a very different thing, but I loved the performance of it. So like I was up on the stage and mic'd up like six minutes early and then Andrew Mason comes to the front and sits right in the front. Very good supporter to nod through my talk. And I just start talking to him, but so loudly, like everyone can hear it and start that interaction before the talk. and. I had completely new content for about 35 percent of it, so I was excited to present it. I purposefully practiced it a little less and didn't practice the day before, so it just feels fresh when you're saying it, if you really feel the sincerity. And then the other thing that got a laugh line, so I referenced Nokogiri for a couple minutes in the talk and some code from Nokogiri from 2008. And then all of a sudden I paused and I was like, "Wait a second, this is real." And I said, "Mike D'Alessio isn't here, is he?" And I look around and this hand shoots up. And Mike Delessio, who's been maintaining No Cogiri for the last decade, who's, you know, a long-term Ruby legend, is just sitting right there watching my talk. So I'm like, oh goodness. I'm now gonna be talking about your code in front of you to a YouTube room full of people. So yeah, it was a great experience. And I definitely do it again.
1: That sounds absolutely terrifying. I'm so proud of you, and we definitely have to have him on
0: the show to talk about that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Mike's a super friendly person. And a great coder, a great member of the community. Definitely have him on.
1: So I asked Gemma this, but what was your interactions with being part of the Shopify pack? Were you at the booth a lot? Were you doing extracurricular activities with them outside of the conference?
0: Yeah, so Shopify not only has people that are around in the Ruby community, and we've attracted a lot of like people who are very involved in the community, but it's kind of built up over time, a bit more formal we would know the cohort who's going ahead of time, speakers and non-speakers. And I think something I tried to be conscious of is that I'm here for Ruby, right? Like not make it all about Shopify. So it's not, Hey, I'm here to sell Shopify to everybody. And also Shopify doesn't want to be the only game in town because we want it to be the vibrant community. So like, that was the first thing that came to mind. But yeah, initially there's a couple dozen people that I work with that I'd never seen in person ever. So like there was that first bit of, oh my gosh, it's you. You commented on my PR or something like that. So we did that a little bit. So we would have had maybe like a dinner and we also would have just congregated slightly near the booth, but we really tried to be mindful of not making it seem like, oh, we're this little circle. Even if we were in a group of people who knew each other, like if someone came around and kind of was looking at the booth, we'd make sure to say, hey, who are you? What's going on? And not make it like a click. Or cluster. And by the way, if anyone's listening and you did feel like you're kind of pushed out and you walk by the booth, obviously DM anybody because we really tried to not do that.
1: I think that's fantastic. Well, before we wrap up the conference segment, I am curious, are you committing to this, Nick? Are you now the archaeology guy? Are we (laughs) going to see talks around this, you know, submitted for RailsConf? What's your thoughts?
0: Oh my gosh. I, in my research, found an unpublished gem from Why the Lucky Stiff and I published it and I own it and I'm working on it right now. So yes, you'll probably see something, maybe not RailsConf level, but at least from that artifact, it couldn't fit my talk. It would have taken up more than half the talk. So from that alone, I got to do at least some meetups with this. So yeah, I'll do other content. But I think history and archaeology is always going to have a really soft spot in my heart because there's so much that we've done, like with linters and everything, and Ruby's kind of getting a lot quite samey. But in the, in the old days, there's so many different ways to write it. And I really enjoy exploring that.
1: Well, how about that idea that Jason Charnes brought up on the panel about doing a series on why as like a podcast series? I thought that was a really great idea.
0: Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. In fact, some people have been in my DMs about it. I can say that. And I think something might come together. I know we're coming to the holiday period, but it might be just as a matter of putting together some contributors, who a few who are already interested, people you'd probably know the name of, but I won't name drop here. And then just kind of what artifacts do we want to do? I feel like there's still a few things we could discover and maybe bring out with that as well. Why cast a definitive why cast 10 or so episodes? Maybe not even weekly, but just like carefully done one at a time would be really cool.
1: I completely agree. I thought that the GitHub article that came out around why was incredibly well done. We'll definitely link that up in the show notes. And I'm curious if that has actually kicked up a lot of interest around the story again.
0: Yeah, I think it has. So it's weird. I feel like I haven't been in this game very long, but I kind of been here a minute and I started years after he disappeared and he still reverberates. If I just need to charge up on Ruby, I just kind of read through his old writings and stuff and it works. And yeah, I think there is a renewed interest in a lot of people that matter today care about why
1: totally agreed this episode of the ruby on rails podcast is brought to you by honey badger it's that time of the year things tend to slow down you can get organized you can try out new tooling and start planning the bigger projects for next year reflect on 2021 were you on top of your bugs do you feel confident in the health of all of your applications if you've been considering trying honey badger now is the time Honey Badger makes you a DevOps hero by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and check-in monitoring into a single easy to use platform. Honey Badger sends you alerts in real time with all the context needed to see what's causing the error and where it's hiding so you can quickly fix it and get on with your day. The included uptime and cron monitoring also lets you know when your external services are having issues or your background jobs go missing or silently fail. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. Thank you to Honey Badger for being such a great supporter this year. Well, let's get into the holiday picks. So Nick and I compiled some holiday picks that would be a great gift for a Ruby, Rails, JavaScript, really any sort of kind of developer. Some of them might be a little bit more specific and you definitely a wide range of prices. And of course, (laughs) we'll link all of this up in the show notes. But I'll kick things off with a nice stocking stuffer, I would say. So I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and our local coding meetup group is called Code and Supply. And they run the conference abstractions. I think that there's been two versions of it so far. And they have some really great merch just on their site. And one of the things is these software-themed pennants. (laughs) And they basically let you fly your flag of allegiance. So you can be Vim, Emacs, Erlang, JavaScript, or Ruby. So, I have two copies of the Ruby pennant. We all know that my partner is also a software developer and he has the JavaScript pennant over his desk. But I think it's a really neat gift because it's special and we'll link those up and they're really gorgeous and
0: high quality. That's a great gift idea. Like, I'm definitely gonna be looking in that for some people, maybe for myself as well. I could see buying things that are even ironic by something you're not into and your friends know you're not into, but hang it up anyway to mess with them in your Zoom background.
1: Oh my God, I love that.
0: What a good idea for Vim. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, I just, just no, I just like the pen. Yeah, so for my first one here, for your developer, this is something that I've been enjoying over the last few months. So I moved house and I've been resetting my office and it it doesn't sound very techie, but it's it's very helpful. It's Now it's pronounced Skadis. It's a piece of Ikea furniture, S-K-A with a circle above it, D-I-S. And really it's like a fancy pegboard. But along with Scottish, they sell a lot of peripheral materials, hooks and buckets and other types of things that actually I've been able to take this and take a few of these against my wall. And since they're white, they really kind of fit in a neutral area. And I've been able to like hang a lot of my tech, like things I'm working on, like Arduino, maybe some of my techie tools or like a soldering iron. I've also been able to take part of it and kind of the way you were saying with swag for what you're into Mount a few coding related things or coding swag throughout it and give my office, you know, coding space a bit of flair. So it's a bit more utilitarian, but I think that if you look into it, it's pretty neat. And the prices are as low as you want. If you're doing just a small area, it's not very expensive and it will give you your wall space back too.
1: How long are you looking at for setup time?
0: For setup time? Oh, yeah, because it's IKEA. No, it literally is like mounting a bracket on the back and then putting it in the wall. So I'd say, Setup time, sub 10 minutes if you're struggling and then it's just like, how long does it take you to put something in a wall? So if you've got a normal wall that you can just pop a screw in because you're not going to hang anything too heavy, then it's just that amount of time. So just wall hanging is most of it.
1: I currently rent an apartment and I'm not allowed to put nails and screws into the walls. I have gotten very creative with all the various sticky things to keep things
0: up. It's funny you say that because the place I've gotten is a little older and every wall is like masonry or brick or whatever. So, like, I have to be so careful with every hole because I have to drill an actual massive hole and create a lot of dust for everything I mount. So now I, I own it. Right. And I thought that was great. But instead, it's you will put this hole in your wall forever and it's going to take a lot of work, but at least it can hold a lot of weight. So that's my first pick. I'd be interested. What is your second pick for the holidays?
1: Well, great question. So I want to give a shout out to, you know, friend of the show, Chris Oliver. I think the work that he has done on Jumpstart Pro is incredible. We all know that Rails is ideal for prototyping businesses. There are so many businesses now out that have started on Jumpstart Pro because it's just really straightforward. And you basically get the foundation that you need in order to build a product so you can focus on the actual idea. Like, what is the difference? What are you trying to bring into this world? I know that I have started many side projects and I'm going through the motions of setting up payments, setting up devise. I've done this way too many times and I just kind of lose interest and I don't get to the fun bit. And so I have to give a shout out to Jumpstart Pro. So for one application, you're looking at 249 And then if you want unlimited applications, which again, supports Rails and iOS, which I think is really cool, you're looking at 749 now, as we're recording this, Chris is currently running his Black Friday deal. So you won't hear this whenever you listen to the podcast, but hopefully you already subscribed to his newsletter and you just feel in the airwaves that this is going on. And you should definitely look into Jumpstart Pro if you have an idea, because we need more Rails applications out there that are great ideas and continue to grow out.
0: I agree with you so hard on this one. It's such a great idea. Because what I always say to people is the beauty with Rails is like my retirement idea. Because if you ever meet somebody with domain knowledge in some random domain, like Northern Ireland, be farming of a certain kind, and you can solve it, Rails gives you the tools to solve it really quick. And you just need one engineer and you can do basically everything. But if I were going to do that today, if I wanted to start a side business, side hustle, side project, and I meant it like for a real person, I definitely reach for Jumpstart Pro. And I know I could trust it. And also, Chris is there. You just, if you have any trouble, it's uh, just one tweet away. Totally. So what's your next pick? All right. So my next one, it's a general area, but you can kind of pick for the person you're buying for. And this is magazine subscriptions. This is the original subscription gift. I don't know if you remember or if everybody had this experience as a kid, but kind of like popular science, popular mechanics, maybe wired or whatever was kicking around then. You dig through it, it kind of hangs around in your house and you read through something interesting. And also, we spend so much time on our phones and our computers and trying to reduce screen time. It's a great way to get information in long form, meaningfully away from notifications and to support the print industry. And there's still a lot out there. I saw some annual subscriptions for less than 30 bucks to get great content. And it's just kind of a treat. I took up my first magazine subscription about 10 years, a few months ago. To something. And it's so exciting when I hear that slide through the letterbox and drop on the floor, like, oh, it's here. I get to read some content, sit on my sofa in, in the cold day. So there's a lot of good tech publications out there. I think of Wired, for example, still going and definitely think about that for your dev friend or maybe just any friend.
1: I love that. This is the moment where I confess to you that I was a very loyal Nintendo Power <laughs> magazine subscriber. Nice. For 10 years, I would say. So you're right. It's such a joy whenever you do open and have mm-hmm. content that you're excited about. Would you recommend to someone who maybe hasn't done magazines in a long time, would you maybe suggest as an intermediary, like a medium subscription for someone like last minute gift?
0: Yeah, I think medium is good because it'll arrive. It'll be there and you can do it. I don't know all of them, but there are alternative online subscriptions. I'm not talking about like major news, but there's some other things out there at the moment where you can get some premium content that's not just paywall.
1: I'm actually a scribed subscriber. And so that gives you magazine subscriptions and book audio and regular books. There's actually like music in there as well. It's actually a really big Ruby on Rails monolith. So in some ways, I kind of like supporting them just because it's another Rails application out there.
0: Oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. I've seen it around, but now that you're a paying customer, I'm going to have to look in that personally as well.
1: I got hooked because they were recruiting at RailsConf 2019. And so while I didn't look into jobs, I was like, oh, I didn't know this was Rails. Maybe I should look into it. And I've been a subscriber since.
0: This is a great hack to get customers. Just sponsor RailsConf, RubyConf, and even if you don't get people, you'll get people saying, you know what? I want to give them my business because they
1: Exactly. Here. Exactly. Now, I did end up pulling my developers at work to see if they had any ideas for this episode. And Tay had a really great idea for this fidget toy. Now, Nick, I don't know if you're into fidget toys. My niece and nephew are absolutely obsessed. And so Tay recommended the Chill Pill B4. And it's basically, it looks like a pill bottle and it's a customizable magnetic pill toy that releases an audible clacking sound. And it's really nice to fidget with while you're coding. So I'm curious, is this something that you would try out?
0: I'd definitely try it. Yeah. So I'm not like a fidget pro. For example, I think my dad got me a fidget spinner that was like handmade machining thing once. And I thought that was kind of cool. Just, and I do sit at work and spin it while I'm thinking. So is that the way you use these things? I don't know. But I like a good clack. So I'll definitely be checking that out. And I think that'd make a great gift. I don't know if people are doing secret Santas for their tech teams this year, if there's a way they do it remote, but that sounds like a really great gift for something like that too at work.
1: I totally agree. It's only $10. And I think just visually, it's really cool looking and inside it has more sensory friendly toys. So I think honestly, it's probably what your mood is and you pick your poison.
0: This is what I'm missing. Thank you for suggesting it. And I'm not going to turn this episode into Nick buying things for himself. I will buy it for other people. (laughs) But like my desk needs some more stuff. I don't know if any of the listeners feel that way, but what's normally on my desk? My mouse, my keyboard, my computer and my coffee and maybe some notes. So like something like this to spruce it up and have something to do would be really fun, I think.
1: This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. The slow overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a super intuitive UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code, you can quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like n plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails notify you when there's a problem so you can fix it before it reaches your customers. With unlimited seats and applications, Scout's transaction-based pricing model makes it easy for any developer to become a performance pro. See for yourself why software engineers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash ruby on rails. Well, speaking of keyboards, I had a keyboard on my list and then I took it off because I was like, who am I kidding? Nick is definitely going to want to talk about (laughs) keyboards.
0: Oh no. Yes. So, so my third pick is something that long-term listeners will have heard before, but I got some advice from work recently and it was don't assume that people have heard what you've said or read what you've written already. So you can repeat yourself, basically. Yeah. So along the lines of like the audible clacking sound. So that kind of is a good lead in from your toy there is I would recommend and it's not cheap, obviously, but for me, the last three years of my life, the ErgoDocs Easy Keyboard. So if you haven't heard my spiel or if you had, you'll, you could tolerate it for 30 seconds. It's a split keyboard. It's ergonomically designed. You can open a repo or repo style format online and assign the keys how you want as many different formations as you want. But the number one reason I'd love to recommend this is if you have anybody who struggles with wrist pain, I was getting pretty bad for about a year and I was wearing all the wraps, doing all the exercises. And literally when I started using this, I was within two or three months and I haven't had a single moment of wrist pain in three years ever since. So it's a fantastic keyboard. It's about Hey, 350 bucks. I know if you want to be really clever, there's self-assembly ones you can get online that are cheaper. It is very fun to use. It's a mechanical keyboard, so it will be noisy. So consider that. But I've got a few keycaps custom on it from my co-host here today. So anyway, one of my favorite things I've ever had is a dev and I would hardly recommend it still.
1: What do you think the on-ramp time is to moving to a keyboard like that if you're used to like a standard Apple one?
0: I got it at the worst time I possibly could because I was actively interviewing for multiple jobs and I literally had a code screen the first week of using it. And the biggest piece of feedback was learn how to use your editor or something like that because my hotkeys were all messed up and it was obvious I couldn't get my hotkeys working or know what I was doing. So listen, if I can get it at the worst possible time and survive, you could probably get it now. So, yeah, give yourself six weeks to be at full fight and speed. You'll be kind of annoyed for a while. Maybe if your hand reaches across the keyboard, you'll be trying to reach across. But yeah, I'd say give it a chance. And then also you can hack in other things like on one of the I press a key and it changes all the keys again. There's one setting I have where I even move the mouse with my keys and click with my keys. So if you take the time and you but the crossover is great today, I'm not on it. So it doesn't block you from using other keyboards very much. So you you can learn both.
1: Oh, interesting. So you actually cycle between different keyboards?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't go to like Dvorak to QWERTY, right? I don't think I could just do that and survive. But under QWERTY to QWERTY, sometimes if I've been... So my backspace button on it is in the caps lock key for Mac. So like, yeah, I will definitely mash the caps lock key sometimes when I think I've gone backspace. But besides that, with a little bit of adjustment can go back and forth. So don't worry about typing on your laptop on the road.
1: Noted. Speaking of being on the road, my next pick was another recommendation from one of my developers, Jeff. So he suggested looking into a tech backpack. And so I located the LL Bean Tech Tote. It's only $34.95. And just with RubyConf wrapping up, I think we are going to start traveling more safely, but we are going to start traveling more. And we need, you know, something that's going to be big enough for a 16-inch MacBook, you know, a mouse, a mouse pad, cables, power cord, and, you know, still have some room to spare so that you can use it as carry on to get onto the plane. And so I thought this was a nice pick. It's something that you could give to someone as a gift. They might not use it right away, but, you know, when they are packing up to travel, they're going to see it and be like, wow, I'm just so grateful that I have this on hand.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I'm not familiar with this product since I was a kid, though. I swear L.L. Bean is just screamed quality. It's something that whenever I saw it, I was like, OK, this is serious. But the price you have for it doesn't seem that exclusive, actually. It seems pretty fair priced.
1: Agreed. I think it's so important that you have at least some lightweight padding there because inevitably someone's going to bump into you or do something. Mm -hmm. But just having something that's simple, you know, clean looking. I don't know how you feel about minimalism, Nick, but I either want to be very loud and vocal with the prints that I have or I want it to be like clean and, you know, that apple crisp look.
0: Yeah, I hear you. And it goes either way. Like, if I'm loud, I'm loud. And I'm happy to be, like, crazy and zany or, like, just very utility, sleek, minimalistic. But I think that's a fantastic gift for somebody. I struggle with this. I'm shoving my MacBook Pro and mouse just, like, in any old bag all the time. I don't have a formal place to put it. And and maybe I'm putting some groceries in it. It's, It's just terrible. So I think having a dedicated tech tote like this would be fantastic gift for any dev for sure.
1: Totally agreed. So what is your next pick?
0: All right. So my final pick of the day is something that I think would be a great gift for any engineer, particularly maybe a full stacky, but more back endy kind of engineer. And this is the Tailwind UI components license. So if you're like me, you can do front-end. It's okay. But you don't lay awake at night thinking about CSS. You don't lay awake at night thinking about cool reactive js stuff right you're thinking more about ruby in the back end and the infrastructure but you still want to build a full stack application and you want to be able to say hey the card has been solved the nav has been solved the dropdown is a thing i just want to be able to go ahead and use it and if you're familiar with where rails is going It's not the Rails way, but a lot of Rails 7 folks are really leaning into Tailwind these days. It is definitely something that's growing in popularity, but the thing that's kind of missing out of the box is just a good list of components that are maintained that you can just kind of copy, paste, and drop unless you go elsewhere in the community. So these are maintained that you get a lifetime license from it for about 150, 160 bucks. They probably, the price changes depending on this time of year, like you were saying. And I've had it and I've reached for it on not even money-making side projects, just whenever I want to build a web app just really quickly and I don't want to make all these decisions, I just want to use Tailwind and I just want to drop in components. That's, yeah, kind of how it works for me. So I don't know if you're familiar with this or what you think, but I think it could help some back-end devs.
1: I absolutely am. I really enjoy it anytime Adam Watham is on any sort of podcast, including Art of Product. I just love watching the evolution of how... Tailwind really was born out of the book that he and Steve Kroger wrote together. And it's just amazing how it started out as this utility-based system. They managed to build Tailwind Labs around it and have grown it out organically and kept it to a very small team. I think they're currently seven employees. And I am a fan that if you are going to use an open source project consistently and there's a way to support them, then you should. And so I think $160 for a lifetime license is an an amazing deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. A lot of things that we use, and maybe this is feedback for open source in general, either like they have something that you can support them with, but you don't get anything different. I love this where you get the basics, it's open source, but you can get a bit more kind of pre-rolled for you. I kind of think like jumpstart when I think about this. We can get a bit more pre-rolled from you and you can support these wonderful people for a bit of money. So I think that's great. But, you know, sometimes there's other things that you might need as well if you're going to build a great app. So I was wondering what maybe your next pick might be for the developer this holiday season.
1: Yeah, my final pick, I feel, is a little bit out of left field. This came from my partner, Mike. So what do you think about the idea of gifting someone a font?
0: (laughs) I think it sounds cool.
1: So I'm recommending the Mono Lisa font. As software developers, we always strive for better tooling. I mean, that's just part of how we are. Yet we spend most of our days looking at screens, reading and writing code. And so if you have a bad font, that can actually negatively affect your productivity and lead to bugs. So Mono Lisa was designed by font professionals to improve developers' productivity and reduce fatigue. And so it's currently priced at $89 for a personal license. And I love the idea of this because it's so different. It's such a great talking point. And honestly, if you have forgotten to purchase a gift for someone, you could do this five minutes before you needed to hand it over. So (laughs) I think it's a really clever gift to put out there.
0: Well, I never think about fonts. I'll be honest. That's my confession. But I read fonts all day long. And I've definitely had my eyes on things that wore me out quickly or less quickly. and. For people who obsess about ergonomics, like how high is my head? How is my posture? Where is my hand? What about your eyes? Your eyes are, you know, processing information as well as your brain. So I know it doesn't explicitly use the word. We haven't said the word ergonomic, but if it's good for your productivity and reducing fatigue, I think that is a wonderful gift to give someone.
1: Totally agree. I think a lot of the gifts that we've mentioned today are not ones where someone is going to open them and go, oh, this is amazing. Let me throw all the other gifts that I've gotten aside and let me use this thing right now. I think the key theme here with all the developer gifts is these are things that you are going to realize that you have on hand and you're just going to appreciate the gift giver so much multiple times throughout the year that you're using it
0: hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great collection. I was really excited hearing what you had to say today. And it was kind of fun coming up with a list myself because at first I'm like, I don't have anything because we talked about this before. But things do come to mind. And I guess if you don't mind me throwing this out to the listeners, if there's anything that you think would be a fantastic gift. I'd love to hear that and kind of crowdsource some of that. So
1: totally, please tweet at us. We'll definitely link that in the show notes as well. And also if you end up trying any of these things because of our recommendations, we want to hear as well. So I had a lot of fun, you know, putting this episode together with you, Nick. I think we might need to make it an annual tradition and thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Yeah, thanks. It's great to be back and uh, have a happy holiday season, folks. Agreed. You've been listening to the Rupee on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.